You're listening to the Simple Pen Podcast. Pinterest for business advice that goes down smooth and easy. Here's your host, Kate All. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Simple Pin Podcast. Today's podcast is a little bit different. It's a replay of an episode I did with Kate Doster. It was on her podcast, Inbox Besties, about how to do Pinterest marketing the right way. We had such a good conversation. I wanted to share with you all about the things that she interviewed me about. Some of you have heard me interview Kate in episode 162 here on the Simple Pin Podcast, where we talked all about Pinterest to PayPal in three minutes flat. It was a really provocative title, but she delivered on a lot of fantastic information. She talked a lot about web copy and how you really get into the headspace of the person who's buying your product or consuming your content so you can sell them exactly what they need super fast. After that episode, I hired Kate to review my sales page for The Collective and she absolutely blew my mind. I'm not joking about that, you guys. I watched it and I was like, oh my word. I cannot believe I did not see it. It was like I had a blind spot. I highly recommend her email marketing fairy course. It's an ebook. It's fantastic. We will link to that in the blog post. Many of you have already purchased it and you're saying it's stellar and it is completely helping you with your email marketing. And if you're looking for the best way to plan your Pinterest marketing calendar along with what Kate's offering, you need to sign up for our free Simple Pin Pinterest planner. It's 20 pages of monthly trends, stat tracking, checklists, tips, and so much more. So for that, head to simplepinmedia.com slash planner. But if you want to get the link for the show notes to this, there's going to be less show notes than normal, but still have some recap of what we talked about. You can find that at simplepinmedia.com slash 176. All right, here's the episode I did with Kate Doster. You're listening to Inbox Besties, the only little guy approved podcast that gives you dangerously practical advice for turning internet randos into subscribers with benefits. You know, the kind that pop open their wallets and throw fistfuls of cash at you for your courses and, and coaching, not like that other stuff. Perf. Now let's get to it. Welcome back, my inbox besties, besties. Kate Doster here of kateanddoster.com. And as always, I am super excited to be in your ear holes today because, guys, you are getting Kate squared. That's right. You are getting two Kates for the price of one. Myself, Kate Doster of katedoster.com and the Love Your List email marketing mega course and Kate All from the Simple Pin Podcast and Simple Pin Media Company. Besties besties. When I tell you that this episode is epic, I mean it. It's literally like two episodes in one. You see, even though I've been a huge fan of Kate's podcast and learning everything that I can about Pinterest from her, which we're going to cover today, like should you be using group boards? Are schedulers like Tailwind where it's at? Or is it hurting your reach? What are some big myths? What do I actually need to be paying attention to in Pinterest? But we're also going to be talking about what it is like to be an actual CEO. Now, while I consider myself a CEO of Kate Dosser Communications, it's like me and like three other VAs. So it's not like anything big. Kate has 40 team members, 40, all focused on helping their clients get the best possible results with Pinterest. So not only does she know what she's talking about from a standpoint of having a huge data collection? So it's not just like one person who is like, oh, like this really works for me in my niche. Like she can run the gambit. But she tells us what it is like to have such a large team and the pressure that she was feeling. You see, what we've really been trying to do lately on Inbox Besties is get the story behind the story. While I do want to bring you dangerously actionable tips, and this episode is full of them. I mean, I've got three pages of notes and I need to actually meet with the person in charge of my Pinterest after this. But we actually talk about what it is like to be a CEO. I learned things about Kate that I never had, like when she actually first started her business. It was out of a really, really dark and struggling place. And I'm just so honored that she chose here to share that story. So without further ado, let's just go ahead and dive right into the interview. 
All right, besties. I am super excited to have Kate All from the Simple Pin Podcast and Simple Pin Media on the show. You guys already heard in the intro, I'm a super fangirl. I loved being on her episode. It was just uh, it's just so fantastic. So for the, I don't know, 12 people who haven't heard of you and Simple Pin, could you let us know a little bit about you and what Simple Media does and all that goodness? Yeah, Simple Pin Media is a Pinterest management and marketing agency. I'm trying to switch that word from company to agency, but it's sometimes a little tough. But we actually work with um, organic management, promoted pins management, and also teaching people how to do Pinterest marketing for themselves. And then I have the Simple Pin podcast. So we are strictly just devoted to Pinterest. A lot of people ask if we do Instagram or Facebook. We do not. We just do Pinterest marketing, which has been super fun for us because we can go deep on one particular platform and keep learning it and keep teaching it. And the goal for me is to teach it in a very simple, actionable way that really make people not feel overwhelmed because people get into social media for their business and they start freaking out and they start talking about algorithms and I don't want to do that. I really want to talk about strategy and how to really use this to build a sustainable business. We don't have time for freakouts. So that's a little sum up of what I do. Yeah, so I love what you talked about, not only about really niching down and really mastering as much as we can, since it's not like you own Pinterest in their platform, but really helping people grow a sustainable business. I think that that is so key and that you're trying to help them grow their audience and their relationships. So I'll be honest, I'm a super fan. You already know if you guys have listened to my episode of Kate's, which we'll put down below here, I just straight up fangirled on it. But I didn't realize how big Simple Pin Media was. So how many like team members do you actually have? So it's not like if somebody gets to work with you guys, which I know you have to apply and it's pretty rigorous, but like how many people are actually in your company slash agency? A lot. 40. So we have 40 40. team members. I know it's crazy. It like it boggles my mind. So we have because of those like really three, four departments actually within Simple Pin. You know, like I said, the promoted pins, the organic management, the images, and then the marketing, which is the blog, email, podcast side. We have forty people working on that piece of everything. So. In order to do that, I had to grow a team and go from a one-woman show to multiple women, which has been fantastic. Yeah, and I would love to know more about that actual journey. So were you like always entrepreneurial? Like how did Simple Pin start and evolve? It started out of desperation. So uh, we had lost, we're really good at losing jobs in the all family. And we got to job loss number three. And it was basically at a point where I was like, I want to be able to do something that releases my husband to do what he loves, which at the time was preaching. It still is preaching. He's a pastor. And so I started looking into options. I mean, like everybody, you kind of, when you're, you're down on the bottom, you go down every single path, you know, Mm. direct marketing. (laughs) Um, I think we did Advocare for a little while. So then I was working for a friend who had a blog. She had a frugal blog that had come out of the recession. It was really that perfect timing for going couponing because the economy was horrible. And Mm -hmm. so I started doing affiliate marketing, writing posts, really doing Facebook marketing at that time. And my husband, the unemployment had just run out. And basically we were like, we don't know what to do. And she had just, I was at her house. She had just watched a Pinterest marketing webinar. And it was really the first time everybody started to think about Pinterest as a marketing platform Mm -hmm. because Facebook had just changed their business algorithm. So basically it was the first, nobody's seen anything and all these frugal and coupon bloggers were like killing it on Facebook because of all the traffic they could get. So they were looking at where to go next. And I was telling her, you know, unemployment's running out. We were on food stamps, everything. I mean, we were at the end and she looked at me and she goes, well, you should manage people's Pinterest pages. And I literally looked back at her and said like, that is such a dumb idea. Nobody's going to go for that. (laughs) And she was like, well, what else are you going to do? Like you have no other option. And I was like, okay. So I followed that course that she was talking about. We had done some for the business. So I knew a little bit about it and she knew I was already doing it. But she said, I've got a couple of people who would work with you as beta clients. And so January, 2014, I bought the domain Simple Pin Media I had someone create a really simple, boring website. You know, you've now (laughs) reviewed my site now. The one then was like, I think I did a peak user test and they were like, this is so boring. It's not even about Pinterest. (laughs) Your website is very pretty for the record, guys. I just ripped into the copy because y'all know that's what I do. (laughs) Yeah, which was delightful. No, yeah, yeah, now it's pretty. So I started then in 2014 with those three clients and I, I literally told them, hey, if this fails, 
let's just not, and we just won't talk about it. Let's just pretend it never happened. And they loved it. So we started, they referred a couple more people and a couple more people. And then as the clients grew, I thought I need help. And that was also a little bit forced help. My daughter had gotten sick about eight months after I started Simple Pin. And so I hired the first person. Then I started to realize, hey, I like outsourcing. In fact, I think about outsourcing really actually strategically. It comes to me very clearly. I look at my business like a puzzle and I can easily put together and find patterns and see where people's strengths are. And I've always said I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I'm the smartest gatherer in the room. So I can look around and easily pull out gifts and say, hey, you're really good at this and I'm not. And I don't want to be good at it. I want you to shine to be good at it for the company. And so that naturally evolved into, you know, one person, two people, four people, six people, and then 40. There you go. <laughs> so we're in year six now and we have, uh, I like to say it's not a traditional org chart, but it's like a football team. We have everybody spread out doing a lot of different things, but there's definitely a clear order and chain of command with an executive team, a leadership team, and then our account specialists. And that's mostly built on the organic side. That's our biggest revenue source. Mm -hmm. But a lot of those spider out into the other, which makes it like the football team. We've got the main field and we got all these other things, but we function really well. My team is, they've all been with me and I, a long time. Many people are coming <laughs> upon five years. Oh, that's so amazing. Obviously, it's a great agency to work for if people are sticking around this long. And I mean, everyone that I know of, especially in the blogging sphere, some of the people who are um, a little bit more B2B, they haven't quite realized how amazing Pinterest is yet. But everyone who has realized Pinterest is amazing. Everyone is always simple pin media, simple pin media, which is why I was so unbelievably excited to have you talking about Pinterest because we've had a couple episodes in the past where someone sort of casually talked a little bit about Pinterest. But I'm like, I'm just like geeking out like all that data that Kate and her team must have about what's working, what's not working. And we are going to talk about that, guys, because I have some hot button issues that we're going to be discussing here. But first, I would love to know whether it was from those first moments where, again, you guys were on food stamps. Did you have your children then or was it just you and your husband? Yeah, I had three kids, actually three kids under the age of five. Oh my goodness. So like it was, it was pressure time. And what was it? So it was 2020 or 2012. 2012. Yeah. yeah. 2000. So it's not like you could have drive Uber. Cause that's why I tell people like, Oh, go drive Uber. That no, was there. there was nothing. And you know, the first job loss we had with this was 2009 when I was two weeks away from giving birth to my son. And that was a struggle there. And then he had found another job and then 2012. So in this phase, we still were not recovering from that downfall of the economy. And it was just really bleak. You know, there yeah. was so many of our friends were unemployed and it was like, you could not find a job. Whereas you cross compare with today and we're in the surplus. I mean, there's so many jobs, but yeah, there was no Uber. There was no, there's literally nothing. Like tax but, rabbit, yeah. Yeah. No construction wasn't even going crazy because home prices had tanked completely. So nobody had anything and mm -hmm. it was a tough time craziness so I don't know if we necessarily want to go back there or now that you're the head of like this football team as we'll call you but what's one time in your business where you have thought maybe recently or maybe even a couple of years ago where you're like I kind of want to go work at McDonald's like I'm over this this is too much stress I'm done I'm gonna go work at fast food and I'll go pick my kids up from school and life will be better <laughs> can you bring yes. one of those moments totally actually one of those moments was very recent which is really interesting um within the last year since simple pin is coming upon six years I felt like it was time to really go you know because simple pin started very organically I've always told myself I don't set goals because if you don't set goals you're not disappointed <laughs> So it's very much a self-protection mechanism. I could set forecasting and I could go, okay, looking at the revenue we did this year, what's our projection for next year? But there was never really any dream past that. So this year I was challenged to really dig into that and dream, not worry about getting it right and really paint the three-year vivid vision. So I read that book, I listened to it, Vivid Vision. I would highly recommend listening, not reading. Everybody said when you read it, it's really dry. Um, so I listened to it and it completely radically overhauled my thinking. And I now set goals and set, people talk about like the big, hairy, audacious goal, the BHAG mm -hmm. and that 
I, uh, that never resonated with me. And so when I was doing this vivid vision, I sat back and I literally pen to paper wrote for four hours. What did I want simple pen to look like in three years? And he says, describe it in detail. He talks a lot about replacing the vision board with a vivid vision because of a vision board doesn't really give the whole picture. Whereas a vivid vision, you paint your company, you talk about how it looks, how it feels, what are the people doing inside it? And even dreaming into, even though you can't understand it and doesn't seem attainable, want you to really feel it and be in it. He talked a lot about like Elon Musk with the Tesla and how he, he wanted to do the Tesla even before anybody thought it was possible. People thought he was crazy. So he said, you have to get into that mindset. So the moment I did this, I felt like the challenges to my business just got so big and heavy. It was like this massive opposition over these three weeks. And I was, I wrote the Vivid Vision and I released it to my team last weekend. And that was probably the most scariest thing I've ever done. Because when it's you and a couple people, if it goes down, it's you and a couple people. But if it's you and 40 people, you're now, people are paying their mortgages based on your work and your leading of a company and being a CEO. And I was having a particularly just tough the weekend before I delivered this. And I was walking with my kids to get coffee. Mm -hmm. And on the way back, I was like, why does this feel so heavy? And mm -hmm. I was like, maybe I should just quit. And I have never once, never once had that thought. And it was crazy to even have it for even that short minute. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is, this is just ridiculous. And I had to message um, my team director. She's on, you know, and I just said, man, I'm having these thoughts and they're just killing me. And she's like, Kate, you got this. You were designed for this. You were created for this. You have to lean into this. And of course, there's going to be those thoughts that come to you and discourage you and all this kind of stuff. But like, you got to rally past that. And it was such a good point for me because I was like, you're right. Like, I, I'm not made to go work at McDonald's right now. I'm not made for this. I'm made to do what I'm doing now. And if I walk away from this, I'm, I'm not living into my gifts. And so I powered through and I presented it to the team last weekend and it was like magical. I mean, I've never seen my team light up more in that moment. It was once they heard my vision in my heart, they went, I'm in. And then all of a sudden that magical piece of their gifts started to pull out and they went, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to help with this and I want to help with this. And it was like, I didn't even know you guys had this in you. But I think that's probably one of the biggest lessons that I learned through that piece was when you lean into something, you, it's going to be hard. Like it's going to be times where you, but you really have to hang on to what is the original why? What's the reason? And you know, my original why was desperation, right? Like we needed cash, you know, but now it's so different where it employs people in my community. Like I'm allowing other women, not just to get a paycheck, but to use their creativity and their gifts in a way that they never thought possible. They might've thought that they were going to be working somewhere in the desk job, but now they get to work from home with a really flexible job. So that, that has been the most recent <laughs> I want to quit and the only time, thankfully. You guys know if you're listeners to this show that we do like to get a little woo-woo and Kay actually recently just put out a mindset episode of Simple Pin, which I'll put down below in the show notes as well as the links so that way everyone can get vivid vision as well because I'm like literally writing down like, okay, I know what my next book is that I'm going to be listening to. So definitely going to have that. But I love just... I don't know, to go, like I said, to the woo-woo thought, I have so many things swirling around. I really do believe when we are hit up against, I hate the term next level. I think it sounds like hypnosis, <laughs> but I really do think when I like to use the term quantum leaping, because again, super woo-woo here, like when we're about to quantum leap, that's when all of that resistance comes. So like, honestly, just even listening to this conversation and I follow Kate on Instagram stories, y'all should too, as I'm just like, I want a giant team like Kate now too. I'm like, I bet you they're going to blow past this. She's thinking it's three years. I'm like, I give her like 18 months, especially when you said that everyone was around you and now everyone's energy. And I think as a leader, whether it's in Pinterest or your own company, a lot of it is self-doubt. Like, oh, I don't want to look like the idiot who's like, oh, we're going to hit like this number of revenue goal. And then we don't. But imagine even just how much leadership, like say if that does happen, everyone still has all the energy behind it. They still respect you for going after it. And it's just like, we're going to do this. We're going to figure it out. The whole weird attitude. So thank you mm. so much for sharing. Yeah. 
because yes. I know we don't really get to hear a lot about entrepreneurial backstories. It's a lot of, you know, this tip and that tip, which we're getting to guys, but I just, I love to hear about businesses as a whole. Mm, so, yes. Speaking of Pinterest yes. as a whole and quick tips. So I would love to know, I know that some people are hot to the Pinterest wagon and other people's aren't. So could you go over maybe a couple of misconceptions that people have about Pinterest and what is actually right, especially since you literally have data to back this up? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I would say one of the biggest things, especially for those people who are cold to Pinterest, would be that they hop over and they expect it to work like Instagram or Facebook. They have this mentality that engagement is the main metric and it's not. Clicks are the main metric. So the ecosystem of Pinterest is a search and discovery. It's very much like Google. And if you take a mindset of Instagram or Facebook, which is very much social likes, clicks, whatever, I'm sorry, likes or, you know, comments, that is your engagement point. That's what you're being built on. But you have to remember, Instagram doesn't prime people to move off the platform. Instagram keeps them in the ecosystem. And we, you know, we watch stories and we look at things, but we it really takes a lot to move us off. Whereas Pinterest, the typical user goes on there to search and discover new ideas that are projects or goals or even as things as simple as recipes. And so when you put your content over there, you really are marketing to a cold audience. And the other great thing over there is that Pinterest searches are unbranded, 97%, which means that you can compete with the Target and the Home Depots. Whereas on Instagram, you are competing with influencers who have more followers and more engagement. Pinterest levels the playing field. If you can write great content, if you can have fantastic images and you can really get the hook in there, you can compete with those big brands. And that shows that if you can create content, if you can create something that is a good, helpful tool to get them into your ecosystem on your site, then you have a possibility to grow with Pinterest. The other thing people think is that it's instant. It is not. Whatever effort you put into Pinterest is going to have to require a slow burn mindset. You need to know that if you are new on Pinterest, it's going to take six to nine months for you to really see really good activity and data that you can pull away to know what your Pinterest user, what, what they are like, because that's, they aren't fast. They literally are not. So if you go into it, go, okay, I'm going to invest for six to nine months, not three months, which for a lot of our clients that come on, we do require three months and then 30 days. So it's essentially four months. But even then we can start to see some movement with clients and then they're like, ah, this isn't working for me. And it's like, oh, but it will just give it time. And then sometimes even six to nine months later, they come back and say, oh, okay, it is. I see some working of what you did back then. I want to double down again, Let, like let's invest. But I just think there's people get worried because they want that instant. I, I want to see it working right away. And you can, it's like Google too. I mean, you can't just overnight write a post and it's going to skyrocket to the top of the search rankings on Google. You have mm -hmm. to nurture it. You have to invest in that post. You have to really share it with the audience. It has to be valuable. And so if you're not going to invest in... Google or Pinterest to create valuable content, then it's okay to play the Instagram game. If that's where you want to be and you want to just hang out over there and do that and mm -hmm. go for it. But just know after a while if that gravy train's going to run out. And I feel like Pinterest feels very much more like a long-term sustainable strategy as a place to put your content. So there's so many interesting things that you have said on there, especially about the metrics. So I was going to ask when you talked about like engagement, how we should be looking at clicks. So I know like Pinterest have things like save, they used to be called repins and there's followers. Like, does any of that stuff matter? Like would a repin or a save matter? Cause then it would get seen to more people. Yeah. Yes, it does. So we track for our metrics. We track followers, we track sessions, and we track repins, saves. So repins and saves, the more you have them on the pin, the higher you do get in the rankings. So that can help. You can do that by asking your audience to repin for you on that particular pin. And then you can also share more of your pins. You don't have to just pin it once. You can pin it to multiple boards so it can get out there. So that is a good metric there. Followers, we always tell people, 
don't worry about followers. It's not a big deal. Um, followers don't translate to clicks. But then sessions is going to be a big one. Sometimes we can have content that might not have a high repin or save number, but it can have a lot of clicks. So that could be something that's maybe seen in the main home feed because there's a home feed and there's a search feed. And those are two ways that the users really operate. One is, I like to call her Susie. She's just killing time at the dentist's office. She's looking through her feed. She's seeing if something stands out to her. Your content that's in there, you're going to hook her with the image, right? And she's mm -hmm. going to be curious about it. Then there's the search feed when she's very intent on what she's searching for. Then your content will rise to the top because it has a lot of saves behind it. This shows that it has value and people on Pinterest keep saving it to their boards. And so Pinterest sees that as a cue. Oh, we're going to put it higher up. Again, very similar to Google because people are finding this valuable. So that's really the, a little bit of a breakdown of the metrics. Mm -hmm. There's other things that can play into it too. Comments, um, people can comment on whether or not they've made it. Pinterest, when you're a user and you click on a pin, after you log out of the app and go back, Pinterest remembers that you clicked on that pin and mm -hmm. it will say, hey, did you make this or did you do this project? Share a photo, talk about it, comment on it. It's really mm -hmm. the only social piece to Pinterest but what we find is that people comment like that those mm -hmm. comments will help you go higher in the ranking as well because there's so much good engagement as far as people will take pictures too of what they've done and put them on there and so if your audience listeners if they are on Pinterest and they've never looked at the comments go look at them you'd be surprised what people are saying on your pins and they're yeah. not just spammers they're out, the spammers that are like, this looks great. They're there. But there's a lot of genuine people commenting too. <laughs> Definitely. I'm just like making a note to myself, search comments. Now, I have to be honest with you. This is something that you had said a little bit earlier. And I think this plays into sort of the misconceptions. You talk about things like recipes. So it's like Pinterest really only for like the frugal blogger or recipes or like kids activities or can like really any industry use it, like local, like MLM, like what, who's like yeah. the ideal business that should mm. be on Pinterest? So many. Okay. So I will say the only time I will say that there's not, it's not a good fit mm. might be like a dental office or something mm. that's a local practitioner. Mm -hmm. If they only have a very locally targeted audience, then I would mm -hmm. say something like Instagram or Facebook might be better because you can get updates in real time. You can talk about specials. You can talk about those things. But if you are maybe a practitioner that has a online digital side that maybe mm -hmm. you want to talk about the features of why like chiropractic care is great, that would be a good fit. But I don't often suggest it for local places unless they're like a tourism board or they want to bring people in based on travel, right? Like you want to say that like this is a good destination to visit. But if we look at the users, they're using it in all different ways. You know, yeah, recipes, weddings, crafts, um, a garden, landscape. I mean, everything that can be searched is searched over there. And there's a lot of opportunity for business coaching, how to work from home, how to make money from home. The opportunities are endless as we see Pinterest grow. Now there's like 300 million monthly active users Ooh. and they're also growing internationally. So that's another big thing is that we have what they call North America. So it's Canada and the US that really started it and grew. But the UK and Australia and all these other international audiences are growing honestly right now faster than the US grew too, just because there's so much interest there. So if you have even an international component to your um, content and you're targeting a particular demographic or group of people in another country, there's a lot of opportunity there as well. So um, yeah, I would say it's not just food and recipes and weddings. That's Those are definitely really popular. Right. But if you can be very, if you can think about it, you're answering the how for Pinterest users and, mm. and the why. They aren't necessarily, they don't want to see like, hey, here's a dental, whatever. I have seen dental, the Invisalign thing. Yeah. That's a big ad that I see on Pinterest because they can do everything online, right? Like they can take and they have an online component of that. So that's a good thing. But if you don't and you're just local service provider, that's going to be a little bit of a tougher leap. 
Definitely. I can definitely see them. I like what you said that again, even though you love Pinterest, you've built this business, this agency essentially from Pinterest to be the first one to admit when it's like, no, I don't, I don't think that this will actually work for you at all. And I think one thing and the reason why, like I started listening to your podcast and following advice was just the mentality of the user. Like you said, most of them can literally be typing in there, like searching for chicken recipes or how to grow a blog or what to do. Whereas on Facebook, we're kind of going in there to like, you know, spy on other people doing, see who everyone thinks the mass singer is. Who the like drama we're going there is. Social. <laughs> and it just yes. like so happens that someone's going to be talking about a webinar. Like, oh yeah, I guess that's kind of interesting. But I'm Pinterest, you're usually going there with a purpose. And so I find it's um, a pretty high quality cold traffic, especially at least for our industries. I found that I'm sure for most people's, it must be. Yes. One, one really cool story I like to tell to people is I have a good friend who doesn't, she's not in the online world and she mm-hmm. loves Pinterest and she uses Pinterest for so many things. And one day I was sitting down and I was like, Hey, tell me, like, do you follow people on Pinterest? Do you do all this? And she was like, no, because Pinterest will just bring to my home feed what I want based on my searches mm-hmm. and my interests. She said, the only annoying part is if I've already taken my trip to Charleston it's still showing me things about Charleston because I've searched it. But she's like, other than that, I know that everything I've searched and what I want is there. And the user can even, so she was in Arizona and she loved this tile on the wall in the hotel that she was at. She can take a picture of that with inside Pinterest and it will find tile that matches that. (gasps) And so she was able to plan like her whole kitchen remodel based on this original idea for this tile. So, the possibilities are literally endless with where Pinterest is going in their visual search even and product sellers. If there's people who have products, they have got to get their stuff on Pinterest because of people searching visually. Oh, that's so, so true. There was an episode on your podcast when you were talking about you were searching for, I think it was a certain gift somewhere. And so you did you use the visual search and all the pictures that you found had no links going anywhere. Yes, it was so frustrating. And it's like, I just want to be able to actually give people money and they're denying me to it. So this is um, another thing. And guys, definitely we're going to let you know where you can interact with Kate besides just the podcast. She has her Pinterest planner, but she also has really great email sequences. So like if you're just starting on Pinterest, definitely go through her start segment. I think that'll help a lot because we're not really talking about like the nitty gritty here, guys. Um, So definitely make sure that you get on your emails list and talk about that. But one thing that I didn't realize when I had started with Pinterest, and again, hindsight is 50-50, when you said Pinterest isn't reading the text on your image. Cause like, why are things not getting categorized? Like, why am I not getting found? It's in my actual Pinterest description. It's my image description that that's how it's categorizing it. It's not seeing the fact that I'm like how to get your open rates up. It's just seeing like a computer in the background. Mm-hmm. Visual search is a big one. We have a podcast coming up too about this, which mm-hmm. um, a really fascinating aha for me with how much this plays in was somebody was talking about how she had, she had taken a picture of her food with a blue plate, like it was angled a certain way. And so what she did was she realized this pin became one of her top pins. When you go to more like this on Pinterest underneath that pin, it categorizes both on that keyword and then what's in the image. Well, this blue plate of hers kept showing up below with that same exact pin because Pinterest was visually recognizing it. So Mm -hmm. what she did was she created more recipes with the blue plate. So then when the pinner went to do the more like this, they engaged with not just that one main one that did well, but all the others too as well. So she increased her opportunity. But yeah, the images, especially for those who are not taking their own photos, is really pay attention to the stock photos that you are using and that they really closely align with the topic. Like I see some people who might have kids in their images, but they're talking about a totally different topic or even something that's like a beach scene. If you use the text on the image to kind of tell people what it's about, it could be, you know, traveling to Mexico or Hawaii or it could be anything, right? Mm. Just really clearly state what it is and then make sure that your image matches up because of that visual recognition right now. It's really, really becoming more and more important. Definitely. Cause I know somebody had had some advice that they were like, 
because they wanted to stand out in the news feed or excuse me, the smart feed, as they call it on Pinterest. And so even though she was talking a blog, her blogs about blogging, one of those situations, mm-hmm. they had started using like puppies or like kitties. Like they were trying to test different images to see wow. if that could actually have people stand out because she was tired of competing with like flat lay photos. So that's really, really interesting. Um, yeah. Speaking, I could, I could talk to Kate all day about <laughs> Pinterest and I know she could also talk all day about Pinterest, but I do want to be mindful again. Ladies running a giant agency here. But I did have two hot button questions for those of us who have been on Pinterest for a little while. You know, we have our board set up. And like I said, definitely sign up for Kate's email list. She will take care of all of that for you. Binge listen to the Simple Pin podcast. She's got your back. But the two hot button issues the first one is Pinterest schedulers. So things like a tailwind. There was like um, another one a couple of years ago called Board Booster that got shut down because they violated Pinterest terms of service. But Tailwind in particular is like the big one that a lot of people utilize is actually using one of those schedulers. Is that kind of halting back people's, I don't know, virality, if you will, on Pinterest? Like I know on on Facebook itself, and I think this is where most of us are thinking, if I use something like SmartIQ to post to my wall, it's going to see zero people. Whereas if I post to my wall, I can see 15. So like, is a schedule, like, is that an issue on Pinterest? It's not. And I appreciate that you said that that's really where it came from was the idea that Facebook thought about it this way. We have to remember that Facebook is probably, I think it's like eight or so years older than Pinterest. Mm -hmm. So it's smarter in a lot of its algorithms. Pinterest, what they did was they set up specific marketing partners that they had that they work with. Tailwind is a marketing partner. So they endorse them being used as a scheduling tool. Board Booster, like you said, was not something that was approved and that can hurt you. So if you're using something that's not approved by Pinterest or has their official API, I would recommend not going that route. But we have tested manual pinning versus scheduling pinning more times than I can count. And it just doesn't hold weight as a really, there's no difference, right? Like if you want to manually pin because you feel like it's easy for you to hop on your phone, that's great. But if you want to schedule that, what that does for you is it allows you to be more intentional, you get better analytics, and you actually end up being able to be more productive with your time. So we think scheduling is actually more productive for you because you have more tools than manual pinning. That is not a way to trick the algorithm. It's not a way to see that something gets more exposure or not. So I will put that myth to bed. I would always go with the scheduler hands down a hundred times over a hundred because I can be more strategic with my business and more smart with my pinning. Whereas with manual pinning, it just takes up so much time. But again, if some people want to do manual pinning because they can't afford a scheduler yet, or they just feel like they want to be on the platform, go for it. I recommend that anybody who does use a scheduling tool, open up your app, engage with the platform, see what the users are using. The the profile just got overhauled. See what it looks like now. It's totally different. So in that sense, um, using a scheduling tool can kind of remove you from the platform a little bit. But like what you said happens on Facebook with SmarterQ, that does not happen on Pinterest. Gotcha. And I think that um, there's nothing to say that people can't do both. Like, I know that like, again, one of the orders kind of retrain your brain instead of necessarily scrolling Instagram while you're waiting for the kids in the carpool line. Maybe it's you're going in, you're repinning some of your other stuff, you know, you're looking at other people's pins. And speaking of other people's pins, and this isn't a myth that I was planning on talking about, but I want to talk about one before it, group boards. Hmm. Now, word on the blogging street, but like you actually like, you know, talk to Tailwind and talk to Pinterest. So you would know group boards. Back like a couple of years ago, that was all the rage and that was how you could get your pin in front of a lot more people, which eventually means you could get in front of the smart feed more. Are group boards like where it's at still or do you need to be selective? What are your thoughts on group boards? Like where should I be pinning my pins? Mm. Yeah, you are right. Group boards used to be really great a couple of years ago. And then uh, June of 2018, when we were at Pinterest, they were very clear to say group boards had not done what they wanted them to do. They were not being used in the way that they had designed. So they really encouraged us move away into your personal boards because of how the algorithm works. It looks at the board name, the board description, and the pin description, and it matches them all up. And Susie, again, if she pins from my women's fashion board, Pinterest is going to serve up more of those pins again from that board because she's indicated that something on that board is valuable to her. 
Now, if you're using a bunch of group boards, there's less of a chance that your content will be seen by her again because there's a bunch of other contributors on there. There's a bunch of other people being pinned in there. So we tell people, focus on your personal boards because you have the ability to keyword optimize them and you own them. If you use a group board, you are not the owner. There could be spammers on there. There could be stolen pins on there. There could be, it's, it's not that it's like crazy risky, but why would you invest more time into group boards, which we see a lot of people doing? Mm-hmm. Don't invest as much time into group boards. Invest into your personal boards. Give them the keyword juice. Give them the activity and the repins. Give it to them. I think you can have group boards. Just be very selective about which ones you have. Make sure it has a really strong keyworded board name. It's very niche and that there's very few contributors on it. Now, Pinterest has just made a change within the last couple of weeks to group boards. They want to really make them a great tool for service providers. And I think it's genius. They've added comments. They've added emojis. They've added a bunch of different features to where you could message people. Now, if people are listening to their service provider, this is gold for you interacting with your person. Because what you can do is, let's say you're a personal branding photographer. Now you can join up and share a board with somebody and they can comment and you can see their comments as to, I like this pose. I like this background. I heart this. You can move things around in the board that you're collaborating with and really dial in on what you want that service provider to help you with. This could be even copywriting. This could be a branding on a website. There's so many opportunities. And that's how I think Pinterest Pinterest, well, I know Pinterest wanted group boards to be used in this way. So if people begin to think of it more as a tool to help interact with their customer, that's better. But it's not a good tool to boost your traffic overall. It's actually, I would say, it's a, a waste. Really focus on your own personal boards. Now, if in Tailwind, you see that these group boards are getting good reach for you, don't ditch them, keep them. But if you have 100 group boards and 10 personal boards, you got to switch that ratio to make more personal boards and less group boards because you want to be, again, you want to have your own farm be really built out <laughs> and you don't want to be on somebody else's farm here. So, those are my two suggestions and the group board features will be rolled out to iOS first. They, that's how they usually roll things out, iOS, Android, and then desktop. So be looking for them if you are a service provider or think you could use group boards with your customers in a really strategic way. I'm excited about this. In fact, I'm going to do a whole podcast about it because I am so excited for how people can use the new group board format. But um, if you're using it as a blogger or anything like that to try to increase your reach, don't increase your reach on your own boards. Oh, okay. So now Kate's like looking at everything. She's like, looks like this Kate has to do lots of reworking. Just like I tore down your website. I'm like, okay. There goes like all of like half of Pinterest. I'm like, okay. I did have one final question. And then obviously let everyone know where they can reach out to you, how they can work with Simple Pin Media because you guys are fantastic. Like if you are at the level where you can hire Kate and her team, they'll take care of all of this for you. So it's not really that big of a deal. But for all those re- the rest of us, you do have some other offerings that can help us out. But what did you mean? And I know that Tailwind is really good at this. So I'm guessing regular Pinterest is. What would make a good group board for you? Like how many mm. repins you're getting? Is there like a percentage number? What should we kind of yeah. be looking for if now we're like, oh my goodness, I need to go through everything and now listen to all of Kate's podcasts. Yeah, this is a really great, um, this is a great question. So inside Tailwind, there's this thing that's called board insights. And you can drill down to just look at your group boards. And the numbers that are in there, the repin rate, you're looking at something that has a high number of repins per pin. So what that means is that there's a lot of engagement on a lot of pins in there. You can sort by repin rate and the numbers will be subjective to your account. So it's going to be highest to lowest. Go to the bottom and look at, okay, what are my crappiest group boards? Everything I pin on here, there's no repins per pin. It's just, it's nothing. Go ahead and leave those. Start with maybe five. And then you're going to definitely look at the one that's at the top. What do you think is actually making that so engaging? Is it because the person has a lot of followers or if it's because a lot of people are pinning to it? 
So if a lot of people are pinning to it, that's great. Go look at the board. Is everybody pinning in line with what's supposed to be in there? Do you want your content associated with that board or even with that board owner? There's a lot of people who've had group boards forever. They've taken their group boards and they've broken it down into sections or different things or they have 150,000 pins on the board, which again will increase the repin rate because they've been around forever. So I would do a deep dive into Tailwind. And we do have, Tailwind has done a full analytics course for us inside our Simple Pin Collective, which is our membership. And so she goes deep into how to find out if it's working with uh, boards, with tribes, all of that. So you can take the guesswork Ooh. out of it and look for those specific numbers. Oh, thank you so much. Now, we didn't even talk about tribes, guys. I can talk about those in the outro. That's Tailwind, the scheduler that we both use and recommend. That's sort of like their own little group board. And there's a whole, whole different other stuff that you can do over with tribes, but we are running out of time. So, Kate, where can people hear more about you? How can they learn whether they are just starting with Pinterest, whether they've been at it for a while and it feels like they're just playing the slot machine and it just keeps on coming up nothing? Where can they find out about more about working with you? Yeah, if you go to simplepinmedia.com, you'll find a tab at the top that says work with us. Start is our starters. If you're totally new to Pinterest, you want to hit that button. If you are in the middle and you are, again, the slot machine, you want to grow, you want to make sure you're doing it right, you can click on grow. And then if you're ready to hire out, just click on services. And then we can get you all hooked up. And then I am at simplepinmedia on all social platforms. I try to hang out on Instagram face. I do have a Facebook group, so that's free. You can get tons of great information in there and there's lots of chatter all about <laughs> Pinterest. <laughs> right. That's where it all is. And like I said, we'll put a link to all of that in the show notes. And I do want to do just before we go. So for someone who's ready to hire you, like what would be the difference between someone who should be hiring out to you and someone who should be joining actually the paid group? Like what would be the difference there? Such a good idea or such a good question. So one of the things that we tell people is that if services people, if you want to hire us, it's because you don't want to learn it. You don't want to invest any time into it. And you do have the budget where you're ready to outsource it completely. So you can work on something else. The people who join our collective, those are really the people that they want to learn it. They want to dig in and maybe they don't have the budget to hire us yet. And they want, they don't want any crazy, right? Like we sift through mm -hmm. it all. We give you bite-sized lessons each month. We're covering one topic and it's ongoing updated training. So you're not taking a course in that where it feels like a fire hose. Mm -hmm. I am in there. I am helping you and really digging in with you. Whereas um, when it comes to the service side, we're just actually taking it over for you. You don't have to think about a thing. So that's really the main difference. Budget, it comes down to budget too. Mm -hmm. If you want to hire us, obviously that's going to be a minimum to start of around, I don't know, it, we start at 600 a month. So there's that. And then the collective is 97 a month. So there's your budget answer right there. <laughs> Oh, there you go. And I think that makes uh, a lot of sense too, like you said. And for some people, it would. I mean, honestly, if they were going to hire out to you guys, they wouldn't have to worry about it. But if somebody, even if they invested in the collective for a couple of months, although I'm sure you'd want to stay for a while, that way you know what's going on. So in case if you do decide to hire out to somebody that isn't you know, part of Kate's team, that you can know what they're doing. Because I think that a lot of times in the Pinterest space, we're like, oh, I'll just hire a VA to fill out my Tailwind account. But what's so unique about you guys, and which is why I always recommend, no, like just spend the money is you guys look at analytics, you know, trends, you have such a wide hash of actual data to choose from. You're going to tell like, no, like stop, no, don't do this or yes, do this and all of that. So there's a big, big difference between, you know, giving someone who's $5 an hour to fill up your Tailwind account yes. versus getting strategic. Yeah, definitely. I've seen many people hire overseas VAs, which there's nothing wrong with that. But you just yeah. have to remember if you hire an overseas VA, they just don't have a mindset sometimes of the person that you are targeting. And that's going to be the tough one. But you're right. Don't, don't just outsource it right away. Because what's going to happen is you're going to find six months down the line, they weren't really doing what you wanted them to do. And you maybe have more of a mess than you think. So yeah, even investing in the collective for a couple of months is a great idea just to get images honed in, the right keyword targeting, figuring out all of those things that you need to know to get the right path. And just to be able to ask Kate a question. It's like, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I am in there a lot. That was one of the biggest things for me. Like, even though it's not a one-on-one -on -one consult, which people can definitely buy with me, it's I'm in there. I'm answering your questions and I'm not in the big free Facebook group. I'll pop in there every once in a while to see what people are talking about. But my attention really is with my students in the collective. And that's so fun for me. It's just a joy. 
Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. We appreciate you and all the amazing stuff. Now everyone's like, must go to Pinterest account. <laughs> I'm like, I've got a million pages of notes, but you guys will hear about that in the outro. Thanks again, Kate. Thank you. Besties. 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 I told you that the episode was epic and it really truly was. I absolutely love Kate. I love her teaching style. I love her as person. Like she's just such a great person. And if I ever had the bug to build an agency, which I don't, I would definitely want to follow her model. So this honestly, this outro could be like a million miles long because we talked about so much. So I just really want to remind you guys that there are links to everything, including Tailwind, the scheduler that we both use, and you can get a free trial of it, guys. So go ahead, katedoster.com forward slash Tailwind. We also have a copy of Kate's free Pinterest planner. So she's going to tell you what to pin when because it turns out Pinterest is very seasonal. I know we haven't even got to there yet, but really what I wanted to boil down this recap is to two things. One, you can't always rely on old methods. As you heard, I was still utilizing group boards like the way you were like two years ago, a year and a half ago, even six months ago, and they're just not effective anymore. So I need to go in and change my strategy. And that's why being a member of something like the Simple Pin Collective, especially when you're trying to get your foundation of how to navigate Pinterest down, is just such a smart investment because I've been wasting so much time and effort and honestly money putting my efforts behind something that is going to give me little return. The other thing that I really want to harp in on is that regardless of what stage of business you're at, mindset is always going to be that creepy crawly thing. Like Kate said, she has been at this since what? I believe it was 2012 and she started out of desperation and it wasn't until literally like a week and a half ago at the time of this recording that she honestly thought about quitting her business and the truth is is that mindset stuff will get you every step of the way but I truly do believe the biggest struggles always come right before a quantum leap in your business and with Kate I do think that it was a little bit of embarrassment and let me know over on Instagram if you ever felt this way too where you didn't want to set a goal because you didn't want to be disappointed you didn't want others down but you also didn't want to be embarrassed but that means that you might not have actually played as hard as you could that means you might not have shown up as much as you can and the reason why you need to do those things guys is for those people that need to find you again I cannot wait to see the amazing things that Kate is going to accomplish and just because of her energy and excitement her team of 40 again can you believe that 40 mind blown are getting behind it too and I honestly think that they can reach their three-year goal in like a year and a half two years like I don't think it's going to take them three years at all to get there so with that guys go ahead and make sure you hit subscribe so that way I can give you your next double dog dare on Monday so we can even out this mindset stuff with some action steps for you to take. All right, I hope you enjoyed my episode with Kate. Every so often, we're going to replay other episodes I've done on other people's podcasts. That'll give you a little bit of a different perspective with me on the other side of the mic. Watch for another episode next month that we're going to replay from Eat Blog Talk about Pinterest marketing for food bloggers. I went really in depth in this episode on methods for optimizing your Pinterest strategy, and it was too good not to share here. In the meantime, visit simplepinmedia.com slash 176 to get the show notes and pick up Kate's email marketing very ebook. It is so good. I can't wait for you guys to dive in and to learn more about how to really optimize your copy to really serve your audience. Alrighty. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.